Hello and welcome to episode 954 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, July 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Flying solo today. It's the All-Star break. Justin's on vacation. And I'm still talking baseball because why wouldn't I? Got an interesting topic today. Um, as opposed to a non-interesting one because why would you guys want to listen to a non-interesting one? Wouldn't make any sense. Uh, I want to talk about four by low hitters, you know, second half surgers type. Um, yeah, you, you'll you'll see here. Basically, talking about four guys on the offensive side that uh, I think could be huge, and whether that's uh, you know trades if you're in such a league, or maybe even the waiver wire for some of these guys if you're in a shallower league, you can go out and get these uh, get these guys. Now it, it it will depend. They're definitely rostered in uh, in some leagues. At least two of them, I would think are pretty highly rostered, but the other two, they're going to have some availability. So uh, let's just dive in. Let's start with a rookie. Alex Kirilov for the Twins um, has been pretty solid. He's been basically just, just above league average with a 106 WRC+. plus. He has eight homers and 216 plate appearances, but I think there's a lot more here as far as an upside. Um... You, you start digging into his metrics, and there's a lot to like. Now, as far as the strikeout and walk rates, those are kind of fine. 22% strikeout, 7% walk. I'm not doing backflips over those, but they're fine. But the StatCast metrics, the, the advanced power metrics, is where things really start to pop off. He has a 13% barrel rate, which is very good. Um, a 300 X batting average, expected batting average. So based on everything that he's been doing, his batted ball types, batted ball profile, they believe that he could have a 300 average better than his 265 currently and a 565 X slug. Now, I'm not super married to uh, X stats. I, I, I look at them. I respect them. Um, I don't live and die by them. But when I look at something like this and I see such a standout like this is projecting him to be kind of a superstar talent with a 300 average and a 565 slug i take notice and i i like Karloff already uh, he's already performing at like i said an above average clip fact is <clears throat> he's probably been shorted some numbers based on this performance thus far and if he continues to perform like this we're gonna see even more production and if you kind of look at his trajectory uh, remember, he started off really slowly. He had a 115, 115, 154 slash in his first 26 plate appearances. Uh, it was really rough for Kirilov. And then he got on fire, but unfortunately was then hurt. Like right as he was it, it completely popping off. Uh, I think it was like a wrist injury. He came back from that though. And I was kind of nervous. I was like, well, is that going to you know immediately sap the power? that we had seen, and it hasn't. If you look at him since those first 26 plate appearances, Kirilov has a 287, 342, 494 in 190 plate appearances. Basically, if he's that player the rest of the year, uh, we're going to love that. And, you know, obviously, I think regardless of how the Twins were doing, they would they would be inclined or, or should feel uh, encouraged to just kind of let him play the rest of the way. But if there was any concerns about that, um, I think the fact that they're 
terrible uh, ensures it, right? Like, why why would they take him out of the lineup? Um, I know Buxton will eventually be back. Unfortunately, I think that might hit my boy Trevor Larnock a little bit more than it'll hit Kirloff. Although, there might be room for everybody. Let, let, me, let me pull up something really quick here. Um, by the way, I did want to say in those 190 plate appearances... Kirilov's paces, um, full season pace would be 29 homers, 117 ribbies, and 78 runs with uh, with four chip-in steals, although he'd be four for eight. So I know paces, you got to be careful on, you know, 46 game pace over a full season. You, you got to be careful there. It's just to highlight how, how good he's been in that run. Um, okay, so I wanted to see, yeah, okay, he's been playing some first base, Kirilov has, so that when Buxton comes back, I'm not sure that it's going to hit Larnock because Kepler can go back to right. Larnock can go to left. Luis Arise will start bouncing around. And I do wonder if they make some trades, uh, maybe like a, a Jorge Polanco at age 28, or maybe Kepler himself uh, is moved. And then that clears some space. Or Cruz. I know there's been some talk about maybe Cruz. I mean, he's 41. They're a bad team. Why wouldn't they consider trading Cruz? So maybe that alone, maybe just moving Nelson Cruz fixes everything, because then you can put, um, you know, you can put Kiro off at DH, and then your outfield is, like I said, Larnock, Buxton, Kepler, Arise is playing second um, or first. You know, Kepler can play some first. Like you can move guys around at that point. So I think a trade could really cover any sort of playing time concerns that folks may have for Kirloff or Larnock. Even though I'm not including Larnock in this in the same way, I am very pro Larnock. He's been batting third and fourth. They really like him. I, I love both these guys. And and you know what? I will loop him in. I'll just say I, I didn't do the research on him, so I don't know exactly where all his numbers are the way I did with Kirloff, but I, I'm I'm right there on Larnock as well. Love both of their rookie hitters. And I I don't worry about playing time the rest of the way, even when Buxton comes back, because I think they should make at least a couple moves here at the deadline. Um, get rid of a few veteran pieces to make sure that that there's room for their two 24-year-olds the rest of the way. So Kirilov is, is the, the prime recommendation here, but uh, I'm also saying go out and get Larnock if you can. He's up to a 111 WRC+, plus, striking out a lot, and one thing I was concerned, I am concerned about with him, uh, with Larnock specifically, not hitting lefties uh, at all, really. And I wrote about him shortly after he came up, saying, you know, I hope they play him against lefties, uh, give him an opportunity to see what he can do. It, it, it's been rough. It's been rough, so he might end up platooning a little bit there. He's, he's got a 34% strikeout rate against him, although he has a 32% strikeout rate overall, so maybe it's not just lefties. There's a lot of swing and miss there, but I like both guys. I think they're both going to offer a lot of power down the stretch. Between the two, Kirloff is the guy who could be a complete game changer, though, because he can have that batting average with the power. Um, let's move over. Let's stay in the same division, but move over to a veteran-type player who maybe himself could be on a new ball club, and that's Jorge Soler in Kansas City. Now, you may remember we talked about, J Justin and I talked about Soler a couple weeks ago. Let me see what episode that was. That was 948. That was actually just two weeks ago, almost to the day on June 1st. And he actually sold me on, on not only, we played hold or fold with Soler. He not, he not only sold me on holding him, but actually going out and trying to acquire him. Uh, I think Soler is somebody to kind of pick up on the cheap because it's 
awful right now. 66 WRC plus, so bad. Um, nobody is, I mean, that, that's, starting to, that's starting to pop up on waiver wires. Nobody's holding that, you know, with, with, their, with their life saying, I cannot possibly trade Jorge Soler. No, he's open for trade in, in trade leagues. Like I said, popping up on some waiver wires. It might be time to go out and try to get um, Jorge Soler. Because if you really dig in, there's some upside here. Now, everything isn't perfect with the core skills to say that he's going to return. But you start looking at, you know, the, the exit velo, the max exit velo, hard hit rate, barrel rate. Those are all in the 80th percentile or better. Now, I realize there's some overlap there. It's, it's basically just a, a multiple different ways to say that he's hitting the ball hard. But that is what we want. So, you know, good, right? So I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I understand using those as an each as an individual point, I think is where I, I, I would fall short of doing because I don't think that they each say something individually about what, um, what Solaire can do. But he's still crushing the ball uh, with some regularity this year. Things just haven't quite gone his way when you're talking about uh, the ball finding the seats or the grass. And what I mean by that is he has a 9% homer to fly ball rate, which is painfully low off the 19% career mark, 23% last year, 28% back in 2019. Like this just doesn't really make any sense that it would be that low for Solaire at 9%. So he deserves more than his seven homers. And then a 243 Babbitt. Now, Obviously, you know, sometimes the power guys aren't huge BABIP dudes, but 243, again, is painfully low. 317 last year, 294 the year before that. He's a 302 career guy. I just think that there's been some bad luck for Solaire here that are, that's really holding him back. He might only be, you know, last year's guy who was a 108 WRC plus as opposed to the 66 so far, but that's a big difference so even if he only gets back to that level there's going to be some gains let alone if he could somehow capture you know something more uh more in line with 19 which of course is his career year and i would not expect that but that's the kind of upside that you're buying into if you either pick up solaire or or scoop him in a trade uh, on the cheap um he could be moved which i don't think is necessarily bad uh, Kauffman Stadium is not the best place to hit. So if he goes to a contender that has a, a better stadium for him, let's let's kind of let's see if we can place him somewhere because he really should be DHing. So I think it has to be the American League. And then what team in the American League? I, I wonder if you know. I, I wonder if the Rays might be interested. Um, would Cleveland in division there? No, they have Franville. Franville. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. No, Franville. Uh, Oakland, Seattle is kind of a fringe contender. Now, none of those parks are necessarily great themselves, so I'm not sure that there's a, a huge park change in the offing for Solaire. But I think even just status quo, uh, staying in Kansas City and, and playing out the string there, his numbers have to get better. Like, they have to. All the projections have him uh, basically, like I said, in line with 2020, which was a 108 WRC+. plus. He had eight homers in 43 games last year. He has seven this year in 82. So his home run rate is, is basically in half 
and I mentioned that homer to fly ball rate, that has to regress. It just does. Um, you know, there's some outlier years where guys are on the negative end and, and, and the regression doesn't come, but this is a worthy bet on Jorge Soler. Like I said, Justin convinced me on that one, and now I'm giving a further stamp of approval here by bringing him back up a couple weeks later. Let's move over to Paul DeYoung and look at what he's been up to and, and talk about how there has to be upside here as well. Now, it's not exactly like the Solaire situation. His, uh, DeYoung's homer to fly ball rate of 19% is fine. In fact, he was at 6% last year, and we were calling for a, a regression this year. He is back up to 19%, so that's good. But the BABIP at 193 is comically low for DeYoung. He's a career 285. He was at 340 last year. Um, you know, in, in in a couple of his good years, his BABIP has been low. So it's not like he, you know, has to be a an over 300 guy. Like I said, he's a 285 career. But 193, come on. Come on. It has to go up. His uh, strikeout rate and walk rates are actually better than they were in 20. And the strikeout rate is... Oh, actually, yeah, actually, they're both better than his career marks, too. The strikeout rate is basically the same, 24.8 to 25.1. I don't usually do decimals because I don't think they add any real precision that's necessary. So we're calling both that 25% on the strikeout rate. So strikeout rate's in, within career norms, uh, but his 10% walk rate is two ticks better than his career mark. So his plate skills are there. Uh, his power is there when you're looking at a career best barrel rate and a 62-point split with his X slug uh, versus his slugging percentage. And now let me get you some hard numbers there. That's a 447 X slug versus a 385 current slugging percentage. And then a 42 point split on his batting average and X batting, and X batting average, 227 to 185. So all the underlying stuff says Paul DeYoung has been way better than what we've seen thus far. And yet we're, we're dealing with an 89 WRC plus. And, and like Solaire, he's popping up on some waiver wires. And if you do go out and try to acquire him via trade in leagues, nobody's going to be asking for a big payout there. Um, I think you're going to be able to get him much cheaper than you would have at the beginning of a season. I think Paul DeYoung has a lot of upside. Now, there is a, a ground ball rate jump at 40%. Um, it's coming from his line drive rate, which you know would explain some of that BABIP issue. Although ground ball BABIPs, uh, you know, usually better, often much better than fly ball ones. So it's not like he's just in the air 60%, and that's why the BABIPs way down. Uh, we would like to see the line drive rate kind of get back in check, but I'm not looking at this here and, and thinking that he can't rebound. Uh, the ground ball rate of 40% is up from 27% last year, but he was at 38% back in 2019 when he hit 30 homers um, and a 233 average, which if he got up to 233 the rest of the way this year, that'd be fine. I mean, you know, with, with, with league average where it's at, we have to change our scope and, and realize like a 233 is just not the end of the world. Um, it, it's not great. It's not, you know, super helping you but it's also not as damaging as it's been in previous years. And that's the big deal that, that we're talking about here with Paul DeYoung. So I think there's a lot of upside with him. He does have 12 homers so far in the year and three steals, three for three on the bases. He, he has nine as a career high. Um, I don't think he's like a stolen base contributor, but if you get, if you get a few tack on steals with a bunch of power, that could be good. Uh, I, think, I think St. Louis obviously needs 
an offensive infusion, and it could come from within from somebody like Paul DeYoung. Now, if there is a a downside, it's that he's batting uh, lower in the lineup. They've really been kind of sticking him six, seven, eight because of these struggles. But I think if he gets back on track, he could start to inch his way up again. And if he gets really hot, I don't think it's out of bounds that he could jump into the middle of the lineup. Like Tyler O'Neill's holding down the four spot right now. And I think the last time he hit a home run was like uh, 1946. <laughs> no, seriously, he's in a huge slump right now. Tyler O'Neill is. I'm actually finding his last home run was on June 9th when he hit a pair. That's a 25-game homerless streak. He has um, <clears throat> it's 92 plate appearances without a homer. Five ribbies, 244, 348, 346 for, for O'Neill since then. So he's gone very cold. But um, their offense has really struggled. It, it's been kind of waves of, of guys doing well. O'Neill was crushing for a while, and he's not. Um, they have the pieces to turn it around. Uh, Bader's shown some things this year with his power. Paul DeYoung could come back. O'Neill could get hot again. They have Arenado, who's been great. Goldschmidt could get going. I'm still a big believer in Dylan Carlson. This offense could be good, uh, but they have to they have to get things going for sure. It has not been good to this point. I think Paul DeYoung could be a big part of that, and I think he's someone worth uh, potentially acquiring. And then finally, uh, probably the biggest star on this on this list. He's been excellent in his career, but Michael Conforto is really sputtering this year with just a 94. WRC plus. Now, a big part of that is that he's only played 53 of 87 games. He's dealt with with injury issues, so he hasn't really kind of gotten in a full swing to take off yet. And you know, we'll see if he can after the All Star break. He's um, he's somewhat recently back from the latest injury. Hang on, let me let me let me pull up the game log real quick here. Yeah, Conforto returned on June 23rd after missing 34 games. And he's actually been quite a bit worse since that return. In 19 games, he's hitting 143, 23, 220 with just one homer in 65 plate appearances. Before that, he was hitting 230, 356, 336. So he, it wasn't all golden before that. But the month off, uh, he's he struggled to kind of get going since then. And obviously now, uh, and they've been playing like 5 million double headers. So that's kind of maybe messed with some rhythm. And now you get a, get an all-star break. Maybe the all-star break can help clear his head though. Comes out of the break and, and takes off. Let's, let's get into some numbers with Conforto. It's been a hard luck season for him too. And obviously you're seeing kind of a theme. You, you, you kind of dig into some BABIPs and home run rates and, and see different things. And that can help you identify some guys that can spike. He has a 9% homer to fly ball versus a career 19, and he was at 22 and 21 the last two years Conforto was, and 20 the year before that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then the 261 Babbitt, he's a 302 career guy. Now, he's at 412 last year in 54 games. Obviously, that's crazy, but 290, 289, 328 the three years before. So 261 is very low. And so, of course, I looked and I wanted to see, well, what's what's his batted ball profile? And it was similar to DeYoung, where the, the ground ball rate has spiked a bit, and it's come out of the line drive rate. It's up to 
and um, it's, it's come out of, of Conforto's line drive rate dropping from 30 to 24%. But it was 24% line drive rate back in 2019. It was 20 back in 2018, 24 in 2017. So you can live with a 24% line drive rate. Like th This batted ball profile does not mean that he has to have a 261 BABIP and a 9% homer to fly ball rate. I think he needs to get healthy. If he's kind of playing at less than 100%, that's definitely, you know, gonna gonna hamper him a bit. But I think Michael Conforto can get going and have a big second half. He was maybe getting a little bit going these last couple games before the break. He had an 0 for 0, 0 for 0 with three walk game and then hit a three-run homer on uh, on Sunday before the break. I mean, that's that's two games against Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that that's like, oh, that's that's everything. He's turned it around. But a little trickle going into the break. We'll see if he can he can fully turn it around. I think Conforto, I mean, well, let me just look real quick. Let's see where he's at in shallower leagues as far as a roster rate. Because if if he's hitting if he's hitting um waiver wires, I'm scooping him instantly. Even in um even in three outfielder leagues, I would. Let's see. Okay, 77% at ESPN. So he's going to be on some waiver wires, but not a whole lot. So people are still holding on, as they should. But go check. Make sure your waiver wire isn't one of those. And then also, if you're talking trade league, I think he's a good buy low that you can actually buy low on. That doesn't mean you're going to get him for your you know worst player. But you're also not going to pay star level prices, which is what you'd have to pay for Conforto every other time you've tried to acquire him in his career, basically. So I think there's a lot. Uh, I think he needs to get a little bit of his lift back. Um, and, and that again, that may be related to his health. But the track record is the bet here. And and Conforto has been, you know, a, a superstar hitter for the last three plus seasons. I mean, I know it's four seasons because 2020 is a season, but you know what I mean? It's 54 games. So we'll say we'll say three plus seasons and you look at that uh, from 17 through 20 he's a 132 wrc plus kind of guy um and that's huge for conforto hitting 265 369 495 bet on a rebound here it may just be an injury washout season but i like the gamble uh on conforto i like the gamble on all four of these guys obviously that's why i'm recommending them but i think conforto obviously has the biggest upside um conforto and kirloff would be my two like zeroed in targets uh, of course they're the guys that you have to trade for whereas Solaire and and de young are going to be on some waiver wires take a look at them but i think all four of these guys can really turn around these ugly numbers that they've had and uh and and make some moves for you if you're trying to catch up in power there was kind of a focus here on on guys with a lot of power uh these could be your guys and then like kirloff and conforto could also add some batting average so That'll do it for this uh, solo episode here. I'll have another one out during this week. Maybe two, actually, during the All-Star Week. We'll see how, how it goes. But uh, hopefully you're enjoying your break, kind of assessing where your teams are, making some moves if you have to. And uh, I'll be back later this week. Thanks for listening.